Before we get started today, I wanted to remind you guys that the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Also wanted to remind you to check out First Take, Her Take, a podcast hosted by First Take hosts Charlie Arnold, NFL reporter Kimberly Martin, and WNBA player Shanae Ogumake, who also co-hosts Shanae and Golick on ESPN Radio. Charlie, Kimberly, and Shanae discuss and debate the biggest sports stories and delve into topics about their lives and culture in the First Take style. You can find First Take, Her Take, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks that if you like the underdog, that just means you want him to climb on top of you. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I'm joined today by a first-time guest, longtime fan of Lenny's, former NFL player, big-time Pearl Jam fan, host of Greenlight Pod. Did I leave anything out, Chris Long? No, I'm glad you included Lenny uh, in the description because I am, from afar, a fan of Lenny. Um, I really appreciate that. And I, we were talking before the show about how I'd been, I think I've been in your pod twice, three 20 times. No, you know, it's funny. Cause like I've done this dance on my end was like, man, and I'm not just blowing smoke. You're like the perfect guest for me. Like you can oh. do it all, which is why, which is why Mina Kimes is a star. But like when, when you come on my show, it's like, everything's just easy. But there's a point where I'm like, damn, I've asked Mina like four times in a row now. No, no. <laughs> so you finally not, cashed in. So you finally yes. cashed in. I was wondering, as I see these cool templates for the shows, I'm like, damn, is it like, is it something? Is it something with me? I haven't. Oh been yeah, you're, you're gonna get a template. You're, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, it's your own photo shoot. Um, oh, no, man. I've told you this. I just did, never wanted to be like, hey, Chris, do you want to recap week 14 <laughs> with me? <laughs> Whatever. But actually, this timing I feel like is worse because okay, we're gonna talk about it's in some ways it's great timing because um, I want to talk about the top 10 free agents. Uh, as decided by a random ESPN employee, but uh, a lot of them are pass rushers. And I thought, who better to have than Chris? But I also want to talk about Carson Wentz and yeah. Patriots. And I actually feel really guilty because I feel like you probably are really annoyed. Uh, like it, it's kind of like when a meteor is about to hit Earth and there's like one scientist who everyone calls all of a sudden and he gets booked on CNN. <laughs> I feel like you're that kind of. Like Carson Wentz reuniting with Frank Reich, like your phone yeah. is probably blowing up and you're getting asked a lot of annoying questions that you don't want to be asked. Well, listen, with the Carson thing, like, sure, my takes are relatively repetitive, but with all the leaks that come out coincidentally Ooh. around the trade, Spicy. Um, hard to keep up with, you know, there's a different take every day. Um, I'll be honest, a lot of people reach out to me on Carson Again, not blowing smoke, but like I'm willing to talk to Carson about people who understand nuance. Like I can't go on a Friday morning drive thing and this isn't like put all Philly radio in. But I've got Philly radio taking snipes at me because I'm talking about a oh. former teammate and they don't agree with me. Like oh. it's the, the temperature is hot in Philly oh. right now. And I'd rather not, you know, I called it a burning building and I got in some trouble. But objectively right now over the cap, trade your quarterback. Um, you haven't unloaded some pieces. It's kind of a burning building. And so, yeah, I was there. A lot might have changed. I got my Carson take. I'm ready to, to let it fly. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, now I'm worried I'm going to disappoint you because I actually don't want to talk about any of the drama. I mostly, I almost entirely just want to talk about the football side of it and yeah, him and in, in Indy. The only, um, 
semi or like the only thing I want to talk about vis-a-vis the Jersey gate with Michael Pittman Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah. is um, a ranking of quarterback Jersey numbers at the very end. That's the oh, only yeah. drama. That. Okay, you got some because ra- I dropped my rankings. I dropped them on the internet. It was like a surprise album. People weren't ready. Um, <laughs> a lot of people dropped similar rankings. I'm not going to say in response to me, but it was clearly, you know, clearly. And, yeah. And like, you know, was it too hot for Twitter? Did I waste my content? Maybe, but I, I definitely want to hear your ranking of. Well, content. it was funny because I was sitting down getting ready to do like loosely the same thing, but. Um, oh. somebody oh. on my production team, right? Yeah, go, what a coincidence! Somebody on my production team <laughs> it yelled out from the back, just so you know, Mina's already ranked him. And I was like, What the f- is that supposed to mean? I can't, I was like, You know what? You're right, though. People are gonna think I stole like this from Mina, so I will hold off. Um, wow. and then you messaged me coincidentally about getting on, and you started letting your number takes fly. And I said, Stop, save the content, dude. <laughs> Save the content. Uh, so I'm down. I, okay, good. I'm very excited to hear about that. Um, but I'm really excited to hear you because because I think I saw when the when the Wentz trade dropped, you were pumped because I was. you're friends with Carson. This is the best destination. For, forget Carson. Like every quarterback should have wanted to yeah. be Indy. It's a great place for a million obvious reasons. But beyond the like very cliche Frank Wright, yeah. Carson Wentz, the stuff everyone knows. Like, what do you love about this situation in particular for him as a quarterback? Well, I love a lot about it for him. And again, like, listen, a lot's been made about because I've talked about Nick and Carson. And when you're one of a few former players that played somewhere that's actually willing to talk honestly about a place and and give an evaluation that's kind of balanced, people don't know which way to go with it. So, like, first when I built the shrine to Nick Foles – People thought I hated Carson. Now I'm defending Carson too much. And really what all I'm doing is saying there's a there's a salvageable player in there. Um, mm. And there's actually a guy who, although I didn't do much with outside the facility, in fact, I don't think we ever hung out outside the facility. I like the guy. I don't think he's a bad guy. And I think it's been this hyperbolic conversation. But anyways, let's talk about the football side of it because I do think he's salvageable. And I do... As soon as I saw Chicago say, let me check Carson's temperature, I knew where he was headed. And, <laughs> you know, no matter like, no matter what, if you're the Eagles, you want Carson in Chicago, right? Because you want to look good. And that's no offense to Matt Nagy, uh, but they haven't been able to figure it out there, at, you know, at any point. And a few years ago, when Carson was coming out in the draft, Ryan Pace was really sweating Carson and had no backup plan when the Eagles moved up. So I knew they were thirsty for him. But what they didn't want was Carson feeling like he got dumped. You know, uh, he spent a few years in one of the most challenging places to play and then just got dumped in the other most challenging place to play in the NFL and be a quarterback with an imperfect roster and a lot of the same problems. So if you're trying to reclaim somebody, maybe they weren't the right team. And the key is putting the ball back in Carson's court allowed him to identify the only other option. Uh, And it took away all of Philly's leverage. So as soon as that happened, I was excited, but I wanted to see just how they get the deal done because Chris Ballard has got this reputation of being stingy, and I mean that as a compliment. Yes. Um, and as soon as I saw it, they got my raw reaction on the pod, and I was legitimately excited because I want to see him do well. I was there in 17. I know what he's capable of, um, and I think Indy has the bones for that. Now, I've seen some pass rush win rate stuff that suggests that 
you know, Philly and, um, and, and Indy are comparable. And so actually he's walking into another beehive when it comes to protection. Mm. It was so many things besides just the protection in Philly. Um, a lot of times if you give me chicken shit and I know I have it for two years, that's better than chicken salad, chicken shit, chicken salad, chicken yeah. shit. Like and you probably are going to have a good sounder to pull from that, but <laughs> like, just the consistency. And obviously everybody knows the Frank Reich thing, but here's the biggest thing for me is the market. Philly's the best place in the world to play. I'm smart. I got out before shit hit the fan. Um, Carson didn't have that luxury, you know? And um, I think this Midwestern kind of vibe is going to fit him. You've got your number one receiver uh, in Pittman. Uh, you have a better offensive line. I don't know what the analytics say, uh, but I think it's a better situation. You've got the one coach who gets him. Interestingly, Frank Wright, kind of medium cop, as as Albert Breer put it in his piece the other day. Um, John Filippo, coincidentally, in Chicago, bad cop. Hmm. I think that I think that you can rest assured that Frank Reich knows the gravity of this decision for him and for Frank Ballard. So they know enough to believe they can turn it around. And I tend to agree with them. I really like Frank Reich. He just has, um, I don't know if it's because he wears glasses. He just looks like a nice professor or something like, you know, like not a hard ass, like the teacher who would let you get an extension. Every time I see him on the sideline, I just have like a good feeling. And I think he's a great coach, a great play caller. I think what I find so fascinating about, this destination, Chris, is you could not come up with more. Well, you could, but Philip Rivers to Carson Wentz is whiplash in terms of <laughs> style of quarterbacking. Not maybe not style of person. Like I assume yeah. they can kind of both rock camo, but like, oh please, <laughs> can, you, can you do a favor? Also, by the way, if you really want to save Carson Wentz's career, just tell him to t- stop doing the sleeve. The stats with and without the sleeve. Oh, the sleeve is bad, bro. They speak I'll for talk themselves. About the sleeve, and that's like they the digital camo, so that's not even like his. Well, every like, time you see it, you think it's, it's, he's tatted, and it's confusing. But again, <laughs> no, just look off. up the splits. Look, look up the splits. Uh, the numbers, stats don't lie. This is an analytics-friendly podcast, and the numbers I'm with and without for, the sleeve are dramatic. I'm all for pulling variables like that, uh, and I believe in stuff like that. And you're right. From going from Philip Rivers to Carson, as far as two as two bridges are concerned, the upside's there. Uh, but then there's the there's the well, negative. Okay, side here's, of that this, coin, is, this, which is, this is my yeah. concern. Is yeah. I think Philip Rivers was really underrated last year. Um, I think he's been underrated his whole career. I'm like kind of a Philip Rivers stan generally. He's a Hall of Famer, but. I love yeah, but like I, I last year in Indy, I think there was a lot of talk of like, wow, Maddie was doing a great job with this defense, and you know they're kind of winning games after they had that like rough beginning, and gradually as the season on went them. on, well, a lot of I, people I did. Them, I picked them to win the division, and then I gave up on them, and then I jumped back on the bandwagon. Dude, Rivers was good. He finished eleventh in adjusted net yards per attempt in the playoff game, in particular until that last drive. He played awesome. He's not why they lost, and. So it's such so that so I guess one question I have is like, okay, there's this assumption that they're a quarterback away, but I look at this Colts team and I'm like, actually, you had a pretty good quarterback last year. And then beyond that, again, stylistically, like yeah. that Phillip Rivers, the offense, very short throws, very quick throws. He was the he had the fifth fastest release time in the NFL last year. Carson Wentz did not, as yeah, you can imagine. So I negative fives. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, so tell that's me like with Reich, problem. like what do you do? Like how does that offense evolve in your mind 
with Wentz, yeah. like, and in a pretty similar, like everyone else around him is going to be pretty similar. Maybe they let Ty walk, but you know. Yeah, no. So like Ty might walk, and you know, to 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 go back to the stable of players that he's going to be working with. I mean, I I think Zach Ertz could get traded there. Um, I think mm-hmm. Nelson Aguilar could end up there and I love Nelly. And I think that all Nelly needed was a fresh start. You know, we, we do this thing with it and, you know, like look how differently Nelly's year went. Yeah. He had to get away from Philly and that's not like Philly's the best place in the world, but when it turns, it turns. Right. And so like, you know, Carson just being able to reset find a better cultural fit for him. Maybe he's not a Philly guy. Not everybody's a Philly guy. Like fans will be like, he just wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't for us. You know, he wasn't one of us. That's fine. Maybe he's perfect for Indy. Um, you, you figure out the slot receiver uh, type presence. You figure out a tight end. Some of these guys we're going to be talking about in a bit might pop up, you know, spoiler alert, Trent Williams uh, has yes. my ears perked up if we're talking mm. about Indy you know that you're going to have to protect him. He is going to be a guy that even if Frank's number one objective is to get the ball out of his hands quicker, there will be an adjustment period. And you want that adjustment period to go as smoothly as possible. Now you got a preseason, you got OTAs, you have all the things you didn't have last year. And I'm not, I'm not making excuses for him because he threw the ball to people that, you know, I was cussing at the TV and I know the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank's going to have to find a way to get him more in rhythm. And that the, the problem here is, even in 17, he thrived on taking risks. Yeah. You know, he thrived on extending plays. So I think that guy where you can cash in on extending those plays and taking those risks, and we were really good in 17. We were a machine. And, you know, certainly there was part of it where whoever was under center was going to play better than probably their average year. He still got that dynamic playmaker in him. And I think it's about Frank telling him, like getting back in his ear and saying, Hey, Carson, we can get the home run, but let's pick our spots. It's that simple. And I think coming in this year, like one of Carson's biggest weaknesses has been his hard-headedness. I mean, people have talked about that. It's a strength sometimes when you're winning. People love stubborn, you know, superstars. Like that guy's unwavering. He does it his way. Well, it's not so cool when it doesn't work. And I think he came into this season for a number of reasons and said, I'm going to prove my way out of this. I'm going to Carson my way out of this. And it wasn't the time or the place. And now he's sitting where he is. Frank's going to be the one that can change his mind and change his mindset. Because if you remember last year, you had Mike grow two years ago, last year you had press Taylor. And before that you had John D Filippo, you had Frank Reich. So this guy cycled through a lot of different voices. And as a guy who's been in the league before, and has tuned out coaches, position coaches, because I've heard too many of them. I had a lot of coaches in St. Louis. The chaos of that can get you to kind of shut down. A guy he trusts like Frank, he'll listen to him. So after this year, there's no excuse for Carson. And, you know, when it comes to Frank Reich, this is like, it's not a legacy defining thing, but this one, if you miss on this one, it's not going to look great for him. Yeah. All right. I would agree with that. And I think the trust is kind of the operative word there because what we saw in Philadelphia and talked about this last week is a guy who obviously didn't trust the plays, his receivers, his coaches, like literally everything was happening around him. And, you know, a lot of that does fall on him. I mean, 
You've seen players like Deshaun Watson overcome that. But I think it's why it's so important in Indianapolis for them to focus on replacing Anthony Costanzo, we'll talk about Trent Williams later, at left tackle, because there's nothing more important than Carson Wentz actually trusting his protection. By the way, I love the idea of Nelson Aguilar because if they do let T.Y. walk, um, we've seen in Philadelphia how much Wentz's game is affected when he has that field-stretching threat at wide receiver. And if you're trying to get back to what you described, which is that big play explosive potential, um, if T.Y. walks, there's really no one like that. I, I guess, you know, they've got... Pittman, Pascal, I think Burton's still there, but they've got a ton of money, and that's another position they could target. Although Chris, they're they got they're like Justin Houston and Autry are also free agents, so they might want to focus on that. Yeah, they they might want to go defense and say like, hey, we need that kind of like there will be an adjustment period, and if we're going to win, we can't be a bottom ten defensive team. I just think like with Carson, you mentioned it, you hit it on the head. Like before this year, and you know how vehemently I've defended him, like and Dan is I said, like, I'm the, I'm like the backup, um, you know, resident expert on Carson, because it depends on what you want. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with him and what he needs to improve. Dan said he might be an MVP candidate this year. Listen, I don't think if they win 13 games, he's going to be an MVP candidate. That's a big if. Okay. And he's got a long way to go. But one of the biggest things the Eagles didn't do the last three years and before this year was kind of my like number one thing that I pointed to was we had in 2017 a field stretching kind of force. And that was Torrey Smith. Um, and you might not say, you might say, well, Torrey Smith's no Hall of Fame or anything. Like, who cares? Like, Torrey Smith stretched the field and was a really good veteran player. And I don't feel like they ever regained their balance when when he left and when they discarded him, you know, they signed uh, Mike Wallace. Mike was hurt from the beginning of the season in 2018. That hurt Carson. When Nick came in, I felt like it was more like RPOs, like that sort of thing. It's more of a, it's more of a dink and dunk. It's more of an efficient mm-hmm. offense. With Carson, you got to have like, what's the point of his big arm and his athleticism if you can't take advantage of it and you can't play scramble drill or, take that big dangerous shot that scares defenses and gives them second thoughts about single high safety or that sort of thing, or loading the box. Um, Carson being able to get, and they tried with Deshaun Jackson again, Deshaun Jackson was hurt. So they never replaced that vertical threat. If you want to get the most out of Carson and Indy, you need that vertical threat. And um, I know it sounds obvious, but in Philly, they whiffed a few times after Torrey Smith. Yeah. Tori Smith, DPI God. We respect him in this, <laughs> I in love this house. Um, He's the man. I want to talk to you about another team you play for, and that's yeah. New England, because um, I don't want to talk about the Cam Newton uh, camp video, which um, I – do you ever just sit out like a take cycle? Like if you just wait six hours, you don't have to weigh in really. And That's how I felt. That's a little how I felt. I tweeted once because it pissed me off. But then like I knew we were in trouble when we started dissecting the apology from the kid. Like Twitter has just made everything over formalized. Teens are rude, guys. And it's it's not good. You don't have to defend the team. They're just a lot of teens suck. They just like and listen, like some kids can make mistakes and. And and this isn't like he this isn't like he uh, he did something terrible. He'll never be able to get. But the the flip side of the social media coin is you can look like an idiot the rest of your life. 
Um, that's the risk you got to take. And that should be a, a learning, uh, experience for, but no, not 32 better, better quarterbacks than cam. This has been an interesting week. There's, there's a lot of cam talk. Yes. So that's, that's the actual thing I want to talk about. Um, yeah. because, um, he's right. There aren't, I, I think he's right. There's not 32 better quarterbacks than him. There's, he's not a top, you know, above average quarterback. He wasn't last year. Now, obviously he was super hamstrung by a very bad offense. Um, yeah. So I guess I, I, wanna, I actually want to ask you less about Cam, although it kind of ties to it. And like, yeah. if you're New England and you're picking 21st, right? They're 21st. Yeah. In the draft. No, that's indeed. They're 15th. Pardon me. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's been some, t- I, I've actually been surprised by, I thought at the end of the season, there's no way camp's coming back. It's over. But I've actually seen some Patriots reporters say, eh, they don't really have better options. You know, there's still some heat around a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. And then right, there's right. a lot of talk about like, well, how good is this Pats team really, regardless of who's playing quarterback? So let me ask you this. If you're New England, if you're Bill Belichick, what would you do? I think Bill, I think Bill relishes this opportunity to win. And I don't know how much, like on his own, and I don't know how much, like, I think he loves the challenge. Like all these years, New England, they found ways to convince themselves they were the underdogs and their fans that they were the underdogs. Like even so much so they tried that, like going into the Super Bowl against the Rams. And then like the minute anybody put money on the game, they became like three point favorites <laughs> um, because anybody with a brain knows they're not underdogs. Like now is the time that people are really not paying attention to you. And I think Bill revels in that. So I think psychologically, I'm not sure how much he wants to just sit out a year. And I do think that there is a team, if the AFC East weren't so suddenly pretty damn good, that could win eight, nine games. So I think for him, you got to be in love with somebody in the draft and the perfect storm has to happen, right? Where that guy drops a bit and you can stomach trading up or maybe he's there. Um, maybe it's a free agent. Maybe you're saying, screw it. I think we have enough on defense to be stubbornly good this year. I've tried to place, and I don't think this is the right place for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, I think that would be like the oddest marriage of all time. It'd be like that TV show where people go to live with each other's spouses. And you're like, <laughs> Fitzy's going to be like, who the hell is this guy? Bill's going to be like, who the hell is this guy? I actually like Fitzy in New Orleans. Wait, can you, um, can you speak to why you, you think Fitz and Belichick don't make sense? Well, I think he's too, I think he's too much of a gambler. And I yeah. also think that like, you know, like Bill's not going to want with that team, the way it's set up to have to incur games where you've got two, three turnovers on the quarterback's head like the one that pops up every once in a while i doubt he wants to deal with that the reason i think he works in new orleans is because you really have just a crappy cap situation and a team whose window is kind of still open um now we need drew Brees to retire for this to happen but i think sean payton and him a nice marriage of of of, uh, galaxy brains and i mean Mm -hmm. that complimentary um and a guy who can kind of distribute the football and has that fiery leadership ability. As an aside, I like him in New Orleans. If I'm if I'm the Pats, though, I look I look to free agency. And if somebody falls to me at 15 or close, I make a move. But it's got to be the one quarterback I'm in love with. And I think Bill, although he doesn't want to forego a season, uh, you know, I. I don't know. What do you think he does? <laughs> um, I think it's tricky. I think 15 is a really shitty place to be drafting this year, frankly. Um, the Patriots do not trade up. That's just not 
like something Bill Belichick likes to do. Um, maybe he should. And maybe but I the don't. Drafting I, hasn't been great. Like to be to be oh, real, it's not always been great. Oh, yeah, and people. So okay, mm, let's talk about the options. People keep mocking Mac Jones to them. I think just because he's like white, and I, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't like it. I don't think that's a good fit at all. Because it's funny. Yesterday, I did a. Um, we were talking about Mac Jones in New Orleans to kind of tie back to what you were saying. I was saying I actually liked him there because. Um, it's really hard to play quarterback today if you can't move. And if you can't move, you need to play behind a really good offensive line and have skill players who get open quickly. And New Orleans has yeah. those things. New England does not. Um, New England has a decent offensive line, not the skill players. So I I, I think I don't see it in the draft. Um, I understand the Jimmy rumors. I think it would they would not want to give up much, frankly. There you go. There you um, go. That's the one. And I forgot. It's Jimmy. It's Jimmy. Yeah, San Francisco it, can – can save money like right away. Oh yeah, and, they they can move on from him super easily. But and and Bill never wanted him to leave the building, right? So right, you know, you know, I I feel like that's the chalky answer. But if I'm trying to be interesting, maybe maybe they move up from 15, like and do something uncharacteristic. But they'd have to sit, like be in love with a quarterback. Um, because uh, yeah. next year the quarterback class sucks. Now I know you get your Joe Burrows every year, but. You know, not every year, like one year wonders can pop up, but like look ahead. I was just going through this with the Eagles and the possibility of drafting somebody at six. It's they should why take not? Someone. They should take someone this year. I mean, but that's but every team knows that. Like even your Atlanta is picking at four. Fans know don't. that your Carolina. <laughs> okay, well, fans, if you're listening and your team is going to need a quarterback, you should try to get him this you year. Try to draft um, one, dude. Like so. I wait. I got I got another one for New England that I kind of like. Marcus Mariota. I don't hate it, but I do think there's like a ceiling there. And I think Bill would know that. Um, I just feel like they, they might be able to get what they wanted from Cam this year mm-hmm. in terms of the mobility from Mariota. Um, I'm just going to start throwing out names because it's fun to say <laughs> them with, I mean, like, it's just fun to say them when it comes to New England. Uh, Garner Minshew. That's fun. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. No. Um, Teddy Bridgewater somehow. Mm. <laughs> I would love for Teddy Bridgewater and Bill to be to be uh, to be together at some point. He just he deserves that. Teddy does. <laughs> yeah, but he, obviously he's under contract. You'd have to make some this blockbuster. A, out well, of Carolina has they've made no secret of the fact they want to move on from Teddy. Poor guy. You see right, Teddy, exactly. Teddy hit them with so, the unfollow. So I kind of like um, Teddy to New England. Well, let me okay. Just setting aside the quarterback question. You said you think they can win eight to nine games. So, like, they've actually got calf space this year, which is kind of funny. And and we'll kind of segue us because there's some potential candidates, I think, amongst the top teners. Um, The last year, decent run game, horrible passing game, decent pass defense, at least in the back end, horrible run defense. Is all that solved by Chung and Hightower coming back? Or do you think that, like, do you think this Patriots defense, which everyone thought was going to regress last year and then did, do you think they can bounce back? Yeah. I think it can bounce back. I do. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Hightower. I'm sure his body needed the rest because when you play at Bama and then New England, it's like, yeah, it's like three careers, right? So, um, and New England loves Bama guys. So it kind of compounds, but. I love him. He's one of the he's, best players in the league. He's my favorite. He's my favorite. Yeah, and and he's he's such a key 
piece to their locker room, man. Like this year, talking to guys there, they had a really good locker room. They always do. But like you could imagine with the void that Tom Brady leaves, your second biggest leader on the team, you know, you could throw Matthew Slater in there as well, who I love. Like Dante Hightower is a field coach, dude. And so not having him this year was an extreme disadvantage, not only X's nose uh, from that standpoint, the great player he is, but also his leadership. So him immediately being back. And then Chung, like Chung's the classic player that means way more to that team than he does like to the average fan. Um, like he's so important to what they do. And uh, as a like kind of a locker room fixture, a piece of the cultural puzzle there, I love Chung. Um, those two guys, if they can come back and come back healthy, are going to make a big difference. I, th- I think they can, with his defensive expertise, scrap together a really competitive group. Patrick Chung, not secret agent, Asian, because his last name is Chung, but um, yeah, we, we count, we count him. We, we, um, he's not secret, but, he, but, that's but you know, he's not that thought of, yeah. Um, I love bit- Chung, he's the first dude that took me out in New England in Foxborough, rather. Uh, he's just that he's a great dude, and he was he's that type of force in the locker room. Like, new guys show up, he takes them under their under well, his wing, show him the Patriot way, kind of like he's just that he's that dude. Pat's this, man. This is actually a good segue to the free agents because, like I said, the, the Pats do have money. Um, Bill Belichick, in addition to not trading up, notoriously doesn't splurge on pass rush either. You know, really in the draft or financially, uh, they spent yeah. a lot of money in the secondary, and, and then they're going to probably so they've got free agents in the secondary. J.C. Jackson is restricted. They'll keep him. Yeah. Obviously, he's a superstar. And then uh, one of the McCordys. Sorry, McCordys. Uh, one of them is yeah. It's <laughs> um, I I know that's. <sighs> twins right um but you know what chris they, they have a shared they did they have find a, all these years apart and also but what like, i was gonna say they've got shared social media so like i feel like they want people uh, to think of them as a unit so i i feel bad i always that. i always bust their balls about that it's like dude like we get it you guys are twins <laughs> we, we figured that out years ago you can get your own social media like you literally have five, six characters left less to work with because you have to tag DMAC <laughs> or JMAC at the end of tweets. Like that's just it's it's. So Jason working. is a free agent. I assume he'll stick around. So, um, but but, but I wanted to ask you about the pass rush because, like I said, they, it's not an area they've traded away. You know these great like Chandler Jones, Flowers. They have young guys, Winovich, yeah. um, Uche, who's kind of like a versatile piece. Like, do you think those young players can take the step forward? for the front seven to return to form. Let me tell you something. I And I owe a ring to that mindset there because the day before I signed, they traded Chandler Jones and they just turned Chandler Jones into me and Jabal Sheard. And we were like, all right, you guys will figure it out somehow. Like that's just right. the way they rock, man. And so right. like, and it's worked for them. I do think they could use a little bit more investment in that area. I'm going to tell you who I love, and I hadn't thought about this until now. I don't know if they ever ever spend the money on him. I think Bud Dupree is – I love Bud Dupree. And I think Bud skipping Dupree – Skipping ahead. Huh? Am I skipping, skipping ahead? ahead. He's number five. No, we're just talking about him. We're just being an asshole. No, no. I, just like, like I think a Bud Dupree is when you're looking at a guy who can do multiple things. I, you look at Pittsburgh. He was such an engine for them. And there's not one thing that he does in the top five, right, in the league. But he does so many things in the top 10, 15. And that's, that's, what, 
that's what makes guys money and makes guys valuable in New England. Um, like, listen, I could see him headed to the Jets. I mean, like, I could see those guys making a move. But you could look at a Bud Dupree who's going to cost you coming off uh, an injury. He's not necessarily going to be the guy who wins a bunch of one-on-ones. Like, I don't think necessarily he's like – which is why people float Tennessee. Tennessee needs a guy that's just a dominant rusher. Yeah. Okay. I almost feel like that's below Bud Dupree. Like Bud Dupree is going to do all your dirty work. He's mm. going to push the pocket. He's going to go sideline to sideline. He's going to be a tone setter. Um, he's going to win some rushes, but that's a total unknown. What What's his numbers going to be like without a TJ Watt opposite him in a different scheme? How about um, the kid in, and I love this kid. I'm forgetting his name, which sucks because his game is, um, oh, it's uh, the kid in Cincy. Uh, Lawson. kid's name? Super underrated. Yeah, Carl Lawson. It's because his name is Carl. Like, if your name is Carl, people aren't going to think of you as like a fearsome, terrifying, pass rushing force. Carl. Carl. You're just Carl. And Carl. Carl is not just the Carl, man. Like, if you look at the year he had, and I know he's had Super underrated, ups and yeah. downs. I mean, he's so underrated. You guy had like 30-something hits, um, like 60-something pressures. He is an absolute pocket-pushing, you know, a bunch of tools in the toolbox kind of rusher that I think would do really well in New England. But I also think that might cost them. And they might say like, well, maybe you're not versatile enough for us to pay $10 million for you. But I do think they could use a little bit more investment in pass rush. That doesn't mean you got to go out and get – Yannick Ngakwe, who's going to come up, I'm sure, at some point. Go go out and get your Swiss Army knife who can rush and push the pocket. I think those are two guys that you might look at. I am with you. I think that it's highly unlikely New England <laughs> spends that kind of totally. money on the guys you totally. just mentioned. Like You just know it's going to be like Carrie Hyder and... Um, uh, well, I like too. Dude, Carrie he had a nice, Heiner. he had a nice year, but like, doesn't he that feel really so nice much year. more like a New England move, right? Or it like does. A, like, something under the radar. You yeah, know, like, you know. And so when you look at these guys who are getting their first big shot at free agency, they're not going to take the discount you took with Tom. Justin so, like Houston. in a perfect world, yeah, a Bud Dupree, who's one of the hotter commodities, you know, scheme fit. I'd love it. I don't think they do it. To your point. I could see maybe Carl, uh, our, our guy Carl, um, but He's probably ch- Bud less likely. Change his name to like Switchblade. Switchblade Lawson. <laughs> All right, let's take a. We'll be we'll be your agents. Let's take a quick break and then talk about some of those uh, free agents. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. So the rankings, guys, that I'm using, uh, they were put together by Kevin Seifert, who works for ESPN. Um, 
And I like the rankings because they're just players I want to talk about. Um, but And there's a lot of edge rushers who I, I want to talk to you about. Number one is Dak, who we're just going to skip because God knows if you listen to this podcast or consume sports media, you've heard enough of me talking you know, about Dak Prescott and why Dallas should sign him. Um, I don't think any actions happening on that front anytime soon. So hopefully before I come back yeah. from my vacation, <laughs> we can get to that. Um, the number two on his list is a guy you already mentioned and I think is a really deserving person to put here. And that's Trent Williams, uh, who yeah. bet on himself and bet correctly in San Francisco. I, I actually, Chris, when he signed with them, it didn't, it, it's one of those things where you don't notice a guy has a no franchise tag clause until it's time to tag him and you're like oh shit that was that was smart um so they can't tag him and he all he did was play like one of the best left tackles in the nfl in san francisco and um yeah i mean i he's 33 but he's you know being left tackle you can kind of play that position at that age for a few more years at a high level do you think he's going to be the highest paid left tackle in the league I think he's going to make $20 million, man. I really do. Um, I, I think he's got that kind of – I've heard like, you know, you can make 15 to 18, something like that, depending on what you read. But when you talk to people um, that are making these decisions, there's not a big difference between Trent Williams in his prime and now. So what that tells you is that 32 years old, maybe with everything that happened in Washington that was so, so unfortunate, we got this idea that his career was winding down. I think he's got another five really good years of football in him if he's healthy. Um, you know, if you look at tackles, especially tackles nowadays with the game, the way it's changing, mm. he's a great athlete. He can stay on top of his stuff um, physically. I think if you're looking at him, making an investment in him, you're going to get your money's worth even at a high dollar. I think if you're making an investment in a Carson Wentz through, you know, draft capital, match that right um mm. with what you're spending and you know i think the one one team i saw floated for him would be like the Bengals, which is great but you're not getting your money's worth for a year if, if um if joe burrow's not ready for almost a season yeah right? that's a good point you know like so i might look hard and be like you know maybe we try to sign somebody who's a one-year answer in cincy to keep whoever's taking snaps from just like getting killed on the field. Uh, and then when Joe comes in, it's, it's competitive. Um, it's a competitive environment for him, but yeah, I, I think he's got five more good years. I love him with the chargers too. Um, you know, I love Justin Herbert, you know, another investment thing. Um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of great rushers in the AFC West anymore. It's going to clear out pretty quickly if Vaughn leaves block Bradley Chubb block Frank Clark. Um, yeah, that would be icing on the cake for a team with a great young quarterback or one that just spent a lot of draft capital to get one. Speaking of great young quarterbacks, Jacksonville has the most cast space in the NFL. And yeah. that seems like a natural spot to me to bring him in to protect Trevor Lawrence. And I should I should say here, um, this is something that's going to like color all of free agency. The NFL like this year more than ever is the haves and the have nots like there's like five to 10 teams that have an F ton of money and then everyone else. Mm. And uh, so that's like the Jags. You're going to hear us say these teams a lot, like the Jags, the Colts, the Bengals, Jets, Pats. Um, Chargers actually have a decent amount of money. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, good. they're in good shape. 
Panthers, Broncos, WFT, and then like you, there are teams that are broke, right? So I think this could be like a weird free agency where there's like a few guys who make top of the line money, and then there are major deals to be had. And I just think Trent Williams is one of those guys. Um, I think so, and oh, I yeah. think there's also like because of all the quarterback mobility, and um, this is the first time I thought about this, but you know, there's just going to be a lot of places where you need to set the table for new guy that you yeah. just you know either spend a pick on or that you so he's going to make a ton of money um i'm excited for him you mentioned jacksonville the only thing i'd say is like as a player and this is why urban meyer this is what it's so important what your first impression is and hmm. a lot of these players that because i've sat there through four different off seasons probably in my career and watch not four different, but I had five, like four coaches in, in St. Louis over an eight year period. Basically it's you're, you're so intent on like, all right, what's this guy about? You text your buddies. Well, urban Meyer, not an NFL coach. So you got to text an Ohio state guy. Uh, good luck finding a guy that you trust. that's going to tell you what he's like, unless you're young or play with a dude. Your first impression is like him hiring that strength coach. And so from your first team meeting on, he's already behind the eight ball. Mm. Um, and if you think about Trent Williams and what he's been through, I'm not Ooh, saying Jacksonville's not the right place, that's a really but good I'm just saying that like, if you're a vet, maybe you don't want to deal with that shit. And because of what you said, there are a lot of rich teams that are going to want his services. I'm not thinking for him, but if I'm Trent Williams, maybe I'm avoiding Jacksonville. No, he's got his pick of the litter. Yeah. And like yeah. you, you mentioned Indy. I mean, that's a team with money and an oh, obvious yeah. glaring need at left tackle. Um, it's hilarious. As I was going through the teams, I was like, Washington. I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> um, and another thing with Indy, to be to be real about my boy, who I, you know, like people seem to only hear the positives. Like I'm telling you right now, like Carson has to get the ball out so O-Lyman won a block for him. Yep. You know, like, so – there's got to be, if you're going to lure somebody to Indy, it's also got to be like, well, am I going to be sitting down there with five sacks in the year to my name? And I'm a Hall of Famer because, Fully, yeah. you know, number 11, he's not going to be number 11, is going to be holding on the ball too long. So, like, <laughs> there's just a ton of in-free agency considerations that you take into account as a player that maybe people don't think about. And Trent would be an interesting one because of everything he's been through and also what he has left to give. Yeah, so for those who don't know, with Trent, or have forgotten, I guess, he right. was in Washington. They, it's so complicated. Basically, there was like medical conflict. There was contract conflict. He sat out. He actually held out. And um, so suffice to say, he does not want to be, you know, dicked around with. Um, he didn't want to be dicked around with. And the thing I guess I didn't make, uh, maybe I said it, but the strength coach, that hire, like – Crystal for yeah. Urban, it was it, yeah, it was just like the it was like what are you doing, dude? Are you are you this arrogant or that unaware? Either way, it's a bad thing. Yeah, yes, and, and yes, <laughs> and, right. So, so that's for the players to decide. But if I'm thinking about like I'm 32, I've dealt with everything I've dealt with the last couple of years. Like I could go to Indy where I got this like uber reasonable, but like also accountable head coach and Frank Reich. Who's going to treat you like a man? Or am I walking into like a college atmosphere? And I could be wrong about Urban Meyer, you know, but I just know college coaches going to the pros. Maybe if you're 32, well, 
Yeah. You don't want to jump on that ship. And he's going to be signing like, a, you know, a big deal. And as yeah. you mentioned, like these left tackle, like Andrew Whitworth's like 80 years old and he's crushing it. He's 39. Um, you can play that position for a long time. So a long time. Dude. He wants Jason to find Peters his, his forever home. level until a year or two ago. Like, you know, it's, I, you know, I saw it with my, like firsthand, the, the biggest athletic comp for me is like just a wow type athlete was Jason Peters and Jason Peters was really good right until like the bottom kind of fell out a little bit. Um, I really want to, I'm super excited to ask you about this next guy on ESPN's list. I think people would be surprised to see him ranked where he is and certainly would have been shocked a year ago to hear it. And that's Leonard Williams. Oh, I so, love it. so I think he's a fascinating player. So Leonard Williams, yeah. 27 years old, mm-hmm. um, traded to the giants and everyone kind of, crapped all over the trade right because not just because of the player and the value and whatnot but like what are you doing you're trading this guy you're not giving him contracts you're gonna tag him and he literally had the best season of his career at the best possible time for him um his whole career when he was drafted top five like very early six Six okay so uh, you know early on he's always been a really really strong run defender and and you know he's classic three four defensive end played at that in with the jets and then with new york but this year in patrick graham's defense he really broke out as yeah. a rusher and had 13 sacks most of his career and that's what i want to ask you about because teams will be wondering okay is that sustainable and if so how and why like what was it that you saw while watching him this year that maybe explains you know, how he finally had that breakout season actually rushing the passer. Well, I think first off, fresh start always helps. Like if you get drafted to a crappy team and somebody throws your lifeboat at some point, like you're always going to play better, especially if you end up in the right scheme. And you mentioned it. He's played a different brand of football, a different scheme most of his career. And there's, there could be nothing more different than being a three, four defensive end and being a four, three kind of, gap penetrating guy and you know like just the little bit of uptick in vertical encouragement I'd put it like as when an anecdote from my life when Steve Spagnola was in St. Louis you know everything we did was very like okay you're in a six technique head up on a tight end mm-hmm. you are responsible for the C but you also have to stretch it to the sideline on on you know on zone to you like you're very lateral you can't be out of your gap it's a four, three, but it's not an attacking type deal. Jeff Fisher came in and was like, we're playing things three yards in the backfield. And although it, I had to reduce into a four eye and play vertical and almost like a D tackle plus in some situations, I loved it because I just went and I stopped thinking. Hmm. And when you're a high pick and like, you've got this baggage of, Hey, maybe your first year wasn't as good. And people started whispering the B word or something. Um, you know, it's the thing that rhymes with must. Um, like, you, you just you you want somebody to come in and reset kind of your mindset and get rid of all that baggage. So not only did he go somewhere new, but he had like a new frame of thinking when it came to what's on my plate, like what's my job. And I thought he was incredibly mm-hmm. disruptive. And I was really excited for him because I've always liked Leonard. Um, look at Eric Armstead. Look at what he did when he got cut loose. Talk about not a 180, but just like what you think of a player. Um, Eric Armstead being allowed to kind of cut it loose a little bit made him that highly touted player Mm. that people are going to pay a ton of money for. It's not an exact, like, you know, 
analogy, but Leonard Williams is somebody I put in the same van, vein. You will overpay for him because that's the way it goes. Like, you know, it's just like you might overpay it a touch, but he's going to help you a lot. I think he's going to end up the next place five years from now they'll say, sure, was he a little overpaid, but he was a big part of our success. And um, he's a disruptor, and I like him. So give me a team that's moving straight ahead schematically and needs that boost inside. Plus, he can rush outside. I saw him in in certain packages. You know, if I were if I were uh, you know a Rams uh, D coordinator, I'm I'm putting Aaron Donald on tackle every once in a while. Like harder double team people out there, and your power is such a problem for tackles. The way the game's trending, so like you can move a guy like Leonard Williams around because not only is he powerful, he's long. They did that. Oh, oh, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because when you, I was thinking about that when you mentioned Eric Armstead. Like he's not as tall as Eric Armstead, but his he's really his arms are really really long, and mm-hmm. um, you kind of see that similarity when they play. I don't. Did you watch the Giants Seahawks game this year? The Giants upset yeah, Seattle. Unfortunately, I did. I had money on your Seahawks. Un- but unfortunately, I did too. And Leonard Williams absolutely destroyed Seattle. And one thing that really jumped out to me, um, you know, like I didn't really have strong opinions about Patrick Graham coming from Miami. And that was kind of like a big, I don't want to say it was his breakout game, but it was kind of when you started hearing like, Hey, this Patrick Graham is like kind of crushing it in New York. Um, I just being kind of more dialed into that game. Like he was using Leonard Williams like a weapon he was lined yes. up at the nine, the five, the three. Like he was, I don't think I had ever seen him used in such a multiple fashion until that game, Chris. And so like- Cause that's, go- Cause listen, that's, that's yeah. where you like, dude, if you have a game wrecking type disruptive guy, why put him in one place? You know, like it, he's so talented. It's early enough in his career where by the time I was in my eighth, tenth year in the league, like I was a left end, bro. And like if you tried to put me at right end, I was gonna throw a fit like an old dog. Because I was set in my ways. Like he's still young. And I think they did a great job in New York of moving around to your point. And you hit it on the head. Like one of the national games, this is another problem. The guy's been buried. I mean, he's been playing for the Jets. So even if he's disruptive and he's not getting home, nobody notices because nobody's watching the games. And then he's in New York and they're not very good. So you see him play Seattle and you're like, damn, dude, a lot of people had that moment where they're like, they were right about this kid. Um, and and listen, you might overpay him because that's the way it goes. Well, so who should who should where do you want him to go? Like, where do you think is a good forget like where do you think he would be a good fit? Listen, I hate I mean, to wish this on anybody. Um, but I feel like Dallas got away from what they did last year, right? Like they were this in-between team as far as do we attack or we a read team defensively. And like I said, like that Cleveland game, it's one of the worst run fit games I've ever watched in my life. Um, they just basically rendered that defense. Not great. Especially with no OTAs and no training camp to being like, I could tell everybody was thinking a lot and nobody was just attacking. And there's still a place for a three, four, and there's still a place for a really structured kind of read defense. But I think like you got to up the aggressiveness quotient down there. And I love Lawrence. I love Demarcus Lawrence. Them not getting everything out of him is criminal. And Mm -hmm. so like, that's just off the top of my head. I don't know what their cap situation is to be honest, because I don't think they're that important next year. Um, Unless that comes back and they light it up. 
but we've seen we've seen that movie, and it doesn't necessarily make him a better football team. Leonard, I don't know. I think Leonard could be a fit there. What say you? Yeah, I mean, if if they we skipped over Dak, but if they do a deal and structure it so they can push the signing bonus, so they can get some money off the books this year, um, they could definitely improve the defensive line, and that's where you would want to improve that team. So that makes sense. Um, I feel like New York's going to try to keep him. Frankly, yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I think they should, um, or they should try. Yeah, they probably should. Based on what they got him, what's the point of the segment that they keep? Him? Yeah, right. No, it's not fun. <laughs> um, well, along those lines, let's go super quickly over Brandon Scherf, guard Washington. They're going to probably keep him. Um, They're going to keep him. Hardest yeah, be- head in the NFL. One of them. I think he. Like the first time I hit him, I was like, "Holy crap!" He did like a size nine, dude. Yeah, so they should keep him off that alone. Is that a thing? Hardest just having a hard head. Dude, Steve Hutchinson's head was so big the first time I saw it in person. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna play with you with my hands, big boy." Oh uh, boy, <laughs> I wish. All I need to know. I wish. Speaking of Hutch, I wish Seattle could get their hands on Brandon Scherf, but I don't think Washington lets him go. Um, he Hunter was Henry. My, that was on my list here. Probably Seattle. stays. Maybe your Seahawks. That was yeah, my note. They need. I'd like to see them pay a guard. Um, Hunter Henry. So he's a really interesting case because, like, at the beginning of his career, everyone thought he was going to be the next Travis Kelsey, like the next great tight end. Then he tears his ACL. He comes back. He's still good. But he just kind of fell out of that tier, you know, where like Darren Waller climbs above him and he's kind of in that next tier of tight ends. Do you think like do you think L.A. should try to keep him because obviously they're building something with Justin Herbert there? Or do you think they let him walk? And if they do walk, do you are there any teams that you think would be natural fits? Man, like you think about young quarterbacks and one of the cliches that I think might be true Um would be like have your tight end, yeah. uh, have your your escape valve, have a guy you trust. I think that Justin Herbert's going to be, and you mentioned their cap situation is good, so I don't know what he's going to, you know, the asking price is going to be or how it works out for them. So forgive me, I'm not the best cap guy all the time, but I try to keep him because, you know, just on the surface, and one of the things I was most nervous about them making a defensive hire is like that's a lot of change in a first year when it wasn't broke for Justin Herbert. The play calling, let me not get you started uh, (laughs) on some of the play calling, but as far as like just the comfort, he was comfortable throwing the football. And so try to, as you go through a change early in his career, surround him with some pieces that he's – He's familiar with. I, I I like Hunter Henry there, but I also had maybe your C, Seahawks. They're looking for a tight end. They were linked to um my favorite uh, Johnny Smith. I love Johnny Smith. I, 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 I love, as well. I love Johnny Smith. <laughs> he's just he's just a football player. Absolute man. unit. Um, he's not on this list though. Hunter Henry's a better route runner. Uh, I I so I wrote. He's not a better blocker. I'll tell you that much. That Johnny Smith can block his ass off. He just looks like a Johnny. Um, I wrote Jaguars, Panthers need a tight end. That's not really fun. Here's what is fun. Arizona. How about Arizona that? would be fun. Arizona need, would definitely be end. fun. Okay. Back to the edge rushers. Unique. Ngakwe, yeah. whose entire name I spelled correctly without looking uh, for the first time ever in my life when – preparing for this podcast i'm actually pretty good at spelling his name i have way more of an issue with restaurant i um, feel like super superior to my colleagues when i say his name correctly on air and it's unique like, huh i'm just like Ngakwe. is it unique 
Did I just say his name wrong? Is it not Yannick? Oh my God. Just after I was bragging about saying it right. Oh my God. That's so cool. Dan, edit, edit that out. I know you won't. No, um, that's so good though. Uh, Yannick. Um, I, I think it's Yannick unless everybody's wrong. Um, okay, whatever. I got his last I, name right. My co-host, Megan. Shout out to Megan. I mean, like he's the he's he's the, the pronunciation police on me and I'm terrible. But wow. I think Must be nice. I think Yannick, people are talking about the Colts. Um my biggest concern with him is, you know, what scheme you're in. If you're going to be putting him down, head up on tight ends, and, you know, you're stunting him inside and that sort of thing, you're wasting him in space. He's essentially an outside backer yes. from a size standpoint. I mean, he's got to be 245, like soaking wet, right? Not a slight. Gosh, the guy's got a clean uh, cross chop. I mean, he's got one of the cleanest – chop clubs in the league where you come inside arm down on the tackles outside arm and you reach the back of his jersey and try to almost like it's a jump chop club robert quinn had the best one i've ever seen uh before he got hurt he's got multiple double digit sacks years left in him uh he's young he's probably going to hit you multiple times 10 plus on this contract I wouldn't take Minnesota into account or this year in Baltimore into account because I don't think Minnesota had a plan for him. I think Baltimore, to be honest, like when he went there, I knew he wasn't going to do numbers because they Wait, do too tell many me why. Games. Because I, I thought he was going to because I thought, oh, it's Baltimore. There's Mm-mm. a lot of guys there, a lot of blitzing. He can pin his ears back. But We don't like blitzes. Okay. Like, honestly, like when blitzes used to dep- – depending on who you are. Okay, like – if you're a guy who's the beneficiary of a lot of blitzes and you come free a lot, like but that's what like I thought blitzes. was going to happen with him, like Judon. Yeah, but Judon so wins a lot of ones on one on ones too. Like I, I right. honestly think like Judon was their best one on one rusher, and Ngakwe is a guy that like you kind of waste him if you got him looping mm. into the a gap and there's a guard and there's traffic. Like I want to see that guy on the edge, and so. You know, another guy that you might be looking at and saying, like, what's he going to cost me? Maybe if I can – this might sound silly, but the Carl Lawson consideration. You know, if Carl Lawson is going to cost me half as much and can do a little bit more in the run game, a different kind of rusher, it's going to be like, what's your flavor, right? Do you want a guy who can just burn the edge or do you want a guy who can do a bunch of stuff? I think Yannick would be terrific in, like, Tennessee. Uh because you take him, you talk about the Colts. Well, he's got to play Derrick Henry in that offense, and Jonu if he's still there, and he's got to he's got to play the run on first and second down there. If he plays in Tennessee, things are you know he's not going to have to tackle Derrick Henry. He can help them, uh, and he's exactly <laughs> what they need, which is a which is a rusher. Play for Tennessee so that you don't have to tackle Derrick Henry is like a great life approach. Generally, it's, a great, um, it's like. I'm going to be right there in the locker room with him. I don't have to look. Ngakwe, <laughs> um, not not the greatest run defender in the NFL, to put it gently. Um, very small. I mean, you know, he's an outside backer, and that's not a slight because I love his game and I love him as a rusher. It's interesting, though, because I feel like everyone looks at him and, and they see what you're describing. Like, he's got the moves and the traits. But we're now – we're going into year four, and – he has not had a 10 sack season yet. And it's like, I, I realize you're, you're correct. Oh, he hasn't gone double digits, has he? Where am I getting this idea? Oh, he, he did one year when he went to the Pro Bowl, t- 2017, 12. Really? So, yeah, Super Bowl year. He had 12. Um, yeah. So, oh, so, shit. You're so right. 
what I like about him is if you use him as a and golly, this year he ended up with uh, eight, which to me is like if you have eight, that's a really good year. Like if you have eight, like that's a damn good year in the NFL. If you're getting eight or so consistently, you're a damn, damn good rusher. And I think like if I'm looking at him, his floor is really encouraging. His floor is eight, is eight sacks. We need you on NFL Live because the way you what you're doing is just like my friend Dan defending all the quarterbacks. Like when I start slandering yeah. all the quarterbacks in our last, yeah. he's like, "Whoa, well, actually, you know, yeah, Mr. Risky's well, under in adverse conditions. You're totally doing it for the pass rushers." But you're but it's true though. I mean, like like no, but look at it. Do it. No one does this. But I'll There's tell no you because they don't pay attention to to rushers, and I I think like if you look at his floor and you tell me. If you paid him fifteen million a year, okay, for the next four or five years, and he and he gets you forty over those four or five, if he gets you forty in five years, that's a really safe. Like nobody's gonna be like, "What the hell were you doing?" Now the downside of that is he doesn't play the run as well. So like his eight is different than like me going out and getting eight or a defensive end from like the, the you know like two thousand ten going out and getting eight. The, the positions changed, right? Yes. And um, and he's he's a little guy, but I, I think he'd be he'd make somebody happy. Just marveling at my confidence to have you on my podcast and me being like, well, he can't set the edge. Me, me and guy. Um, <laughs> well, he you're right. I I just I'm marveling at how unsure of myself I am because I was like, oh, Mina's probably right. He didn't have a double digit you know, year. You know what? I mm, I got. Why did I black out? You know that 2017 Jack season didn't really happen though. Come on. I forgot okay. Jimmy G, dude, earlier. So black, come on. Black out that whole season, honestly. Yeah. Um, when, when the Jacks were one miles Jack away from the Super Bowl. Um, Bud Dupree is next on our list, and you mentioned the Titans. I've heard that he seems to be linked there. Uh, make they obviously need someone. Um, the, I think the concern with Dupree is just okay. He he did it across from what. I don't think that's always the case. Um, I think honestly, he made TJ better as well. Um, I just, and that's not taking anything away from TJ because I think had he won defensive player of the year, I'm not arguing. Um, Bud Dupree is, like I say, he's a tone setter, um, sideline to sideline, going to chase down plays. He's a hitter. He's good in a run game. He's physical. He can do enough in coverage. Like he's a Swiss Army knife. So I just feel like it's a little bit wasted in Tennessee. You know, unless they're going to be more dynamic with their dudes, because the last Swiss Army knife guy they had there, and it was a different kind of Swiss Army knife. It had different attachments. Jadavian Clowney, all this versatility, you didn't parlay it any, into anything. I'd hate to see him wasted there. Different players. I just because somebody's going to be hearing it be like Chris just compared Bud Dupree to Clowney. They're both versatile. That's where it stops. Cool name, memorable name. Unlike Carl Lawson. Awesome name. Um. Bud is the anti-Carl. As a name, yeah. Is Bud a nickname? I think it is. I just, man, like that's a, I don't know, man. It, some guys you're like, man, I would love to have played with that guy. I just think he's got, he's he's got that kind of locker room. Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree does? Too. Yeah, Bud Dupree. I think he's going to make whatever locker room he ends up in better too. So it's like you get that hidden boost with him too as it's well. going to make some locker room very happy. Bud Dupree is like a sick name. It sounds like a old West lawman or something, you know, like Bud Dupree's coming to town and mm-hmm. Bud mm-hmm. Dupree gets paid. That's a big money. Um, mm-hmm. Another good name, 
Kenny Galladay is next on our list, and so there's two wide receivers. We're at eight, and I, I was actually surprised Galladay over Robinson. But for Galladay, um, great fantasy name, which is good because he's a wide receiver. You know, like you can really do a lot of fun puns with that. So you can do a lot with that. Galladay is interesting. Like basically, all he does is make cool ass catches. Um, he's huge, fast, can run all the routes. He has been hurt and got hurt at a bad time last year. Do you like? Do you think it makes sense that he like? If you were a team, would you take him over a Rob? Because so he's twenty seven and Robinson is twenty eight. You know, like I'm, I'm, I have bias because my brother played with Allen Robinson and loved him so much, um, and talks about how he said it for a few years now. Like that guy, he didn't say escape, you know, <laughs> but like but he's from my, some from Packers fan is home saying he turned us down. No. So like from, from my standpoint, you know, like it was like this guy just, he deserves more shine. And, um, I would probably look at Allen Robinson first, but both, you know, like physical dudes. Right. Um, and if you're looking at them, you know, Indy's out because you already have somebody like that. Um, I think you could add them to the core in Washington, which could be an an exciting thing. That would be they have a ton of cap room, um, but I think Baltimore makes a lot of sense for Galladay. Really? Because I, so I have Robinson to Baltimore, but well, it, it, to a degree, it's rolling the dice, and you never know due to fit. But two big physical kind of receivers that um, they they have their differences. But Baltimore, and I'm sure you would agree, like anybody who watches football is like rooting for Baltimore to hurry up and get a physical number one. Um, and somebody that we can – so we can put the – like, for one, get Lamar some help, but also so that when we argue about his development or that offense, we don't have to argue in hypotheticals yeah. anymore. Okay? Like, Do it for us. Here's your number one. Here's a big physical dude. Like, it would be good for Twitter. It would be good for putting some arguments to bed. And we can really, like, get a complete look at who Lamar is because he does need that option. I'm so tired of slandering Hollywood Brown who is the same size as me. And I, 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 I want them. I actually think, um, so I have Robinson to Baltimore and I've been earmarking him there all year, but I actually think something they should consider is like a Juju Smith Schuster. Who's not in the top 10 because like, to me, he makes a lot of sense in that offense. Cause you want someone you can use over the middle. Um, and he can block as well, by the way. And I, I do think like Galladay, like I, I, part of his skill set is probably not going to be best utilized in Baltimore. Like you don't want Lamar mm-hmm. throwing 50-50 balls up the sideline necessarily, but um, yeah, you know, every wide receiver is probably going to be tagged there. I also have New England and potentially Miami, depending on how what they do in the draft for him. Um, Robinson, I do feel bad for him. You know that, um, have you ever seen that picture of Mel Gibson from shooting the passion of the Christ where he's talking to, it's like a meme people use. It's like Mel Gibson. Yeah, I know. The yeah. So that's um, one of my favorite, God, I'm being, this is the douchiest thing ever, but I'm quoting my own usage of a meme, but I feel like that's Alan Robinson at the pro bowl talking to other wide receivers. Like he's the Jesus in the passion of the Christ and the other wide receivers <laughs> are Mel Gibson, which I realize is a really complicated metaphor. But my point is, he's been through he's a been lot. Through a lot. I just, I just want way. something yeah. better for him. I just wanted to be happy. But also, I will tell you, as like somebody who played in St. Louis for eight years, I certainly don't feel bad for him. I just know that he deserves I, – I know he deserves to be seen. Like, because he could be a star, like a league star. And 
it's amazing that they managed to hide him in one of the biggest markets. I know that like football people know Allen Robinson, but and I know he doesn't have the biggest personality. That's probably why like a lot of his teammates love him too. But he's a star waiting to happen, like on the next level. And so I would love to see him go to a contending team first and foremost. But he's got to do what's right for him. He is he's extraordinarily complete as a receiver. Um, yeah, man. If I was the Bears play caller, my entire play sheet would just say 50, 50 ball to Allen Robinson. So I, 50, 50 I want him to catch some 75, 25 balls. Um, I love your juju thing though. Right. Doesn't, doesn't that ball. work? And juju could get like, revenge, you know, I mean, it's not revenge, but like if Steelers move on from him, um, the, the one I skipped over just one, one free agent where we get to dinks and dunks was Justin Simmons. I just assume Denver's going to, keep him i i think they they tag him um and you know 14 million or whatever it is i mean it's 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 still good money like the 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 caps down this year like i don't know it's a funny year i love justin simmons he can do it all Um, he really can you know super physical for uh free safety yeah yeah like he he'll he'll come down and, and and He'll blitz, he'll play in the box, he's a sure tackler. And I think one of the coolest things about him was, if you notice, when he was young, you know, it wasn't that he was like buried in depth, but they had dudes. And what that can force a player to do is be adaptive. And they had Jay Stu there, um, they had TJ there, um, and it taught him to do a lot of different stuff. They also protect him because I don't think they play like a ton of single high. Uh, and if I had one question about his maybe top end speed, I'm sure somebody's like, well, he ran a 40 in X, Y, Z. I don't know, dude, but I'm just telling you that maybe the place I wouldn't put him would be like out on an Island. I just know that him and Kareem Jackson make a really good pair right now. It's hard to imagine me, imagine me. It's hard for me to imagine Vic Fangio moving on from him. You know what I mean? Like that, especially him being the coach, there, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem right. So I don't want to. He's also just the greatest dude, man. Like he is literally, you know, I got to watch the Super Bowl with him. Uh, the last Super Bowl that everybody went to mm-hmm. <laughs> up in the suite after uh, the on the field stuff. He was a man of the year uh, candidate. And I was just struck like how just kind of, I, I just walked away saying like that guy is a leader in a locker room, you know, um, He's just got that kind of gravitas and you don't just let guys like that walk and the franchise tag sucks and all that, but they'll probably use it again. Mm. Stephen A's World streams weekdays on ESPN Plus, bringing fans Stephen A. Smith's entertaining perspective and deep expertise with signature guests. The best interviews from Stephen A's World are now available as a podcast every Wednesday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and watch Stephen A's World on ESPN Plus. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? All right. As always, we're going to finish with Dinks and Dunks, which is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. You can download the DraftKings app today and use code MINA, M-I-N-A, to get in on all of the action. Chris, five questions. Four from me, one from Lenny. Um, I heard it's rude, too. The one I, from Lenny, I, I, so I, I don't write them, so I don't, I don't really know. But um, yeah, do, do you know, though, I told you how they, I used to do them in his voice, but then I stopped because I was so ashamed of <laughs> When I had Matt Hasselbeck on, I don't know. I think I'm not going to make you do the voice. Yeah, people are always bothering me for it. Um, No, I know how it is when you don't want to do something because you're embarrassed. So I'm not going to make you do that. Question one: What's an example of something you don't want to do that you're embarrassed to do? Ooh, dance. Yeah, me too. Fully. 
if I'm hammered out dancing, I'm good. But like dancing would be one for sure. Dancing is bad. Selfie videos. Selfie videos. I'm terrible. I legitimately, you've seen my, the amount of takes that goes into me. I'm like, just like you. I mean, it's something about seeing your, your face. Mm. While it's moving around. That's why I'm so we're taping this podcast with no camera, and I just love doing that because. And and, and I feel bad because when I have no, no, it's fine. I mean, literally, Chris, my job is literally to be on a screen that hundreds of thousands of people see. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't know. I just like it's nice to have a break. Um, Okay, more important question: Carson Wentz not getting the number eleven jersey. I don't because we don't know what jersey number he's going to get. It gets yeah. to start fresh. So uh, this invites the question, what is the best jersey number for a quarterback? I'm going to read my ranking. I left out two numbers because I... Give me a okay, minute because I didn't look Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go from so. worst to best. Yeah. Okay, worst, 19, obviously. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. Okay, 19, 17, 14, 11, 15. I skipped 18. 11, 18, 15, 13, 6, 8, 1, 2, 16, 10. This is great content. 4, 12, 3, 5, 9, 7. Dude, I went through the same thing on my pod because I was like, damn, I'm just like 15 seconds in. I was like, damn, I'm just reading numbers right now. <laughs> uh, so, so I'll tell you this. Okay. You know, 5 is, to me, is actually, a, it's a tough sell. Really? Um, I love seven. Five's just a very like compact number. You got to really be a good athlete. It's kind of squared off. You know what I mean? Um, I love 17. You have it very low. Maybe it's the Philip Rivers thing. 17 is terrible. 17 is kind of dope, man. And 13 is, 13 is my favorite. Okay. So what is the top tier for you? 17, 13... 17, 13, 7, seven. 12. I didn't realize this. 12 is it's the most hotly sought off sought after number um, by like the all time greats. I didn't even think about it. Um, Can I wait? You don't want to be number one, dude. You 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 refer to it as variable. I think it says. But something. one, if if you like, if you're really good, one is sick. Like think how sick Kyler Murray looks when he like is having like a heater of a game wearing that one jersey mm-hmm. you're just like oh my god or Cam Newton during his peak like one Dude. when one is on fire one is awesome it's so cold I'm so with you I'm so with you that when it works it works but I had this rule in college well into the pros really and I would call it the Marvin Austin rule you might not even know who Marvin Austin is he was this UNC recruit um if you wear a single digit as a D tackle or like a, an 11, a 12, like I am going to assume that you, you're not going to be a self starter. <laughs> um, <laughs> now Derek Brown challenged that mm. completely because everything about him says like lunch pail guy. Um, but in general quarterbacks, I give a little bit more leniency, but the guy's either going to knock it out of the park or be just a total joke. Six. You do not want to pick six. I said this on my pod. Yeah. Literally the act of picking That's six. That's true. Oh, it's so true. Six. I didn't even think about that. Six is way too high. And also, there's been very few historically good sixes. Very few. Just my man Sanchez. Color. 
Baker Six, right? Well, I believe in Cutler out of there. <laughs> Baker Six, right? Uh, yeah. Cutler bought my Bronco. I sold my Bronco to him because he played for my brother's team. I had this old beautiful 69 Bronco and I was too tall for it. Um, and now I wonder if Tommy Lauren ever sat in it and it kind of makes me feel uneasy. Um, Cutler, listen, regardless of how you feel about the man, the quarterback and the politics, all-time elite quarterback hair. Just... I will say this, the times I've been around him, I love the guy. And so it was a little jarring, that whole thing. Um, Really quick number story, just when you were talking about how 12 was sought after. Um, So I've interviewed Aaron Rodgers twice. Once I did a story, like a cover story on him for ESPN the magazine. And then the other was like a quick uh, Sunday countdown feature. And I went to Green Bay. This was like two years ago. And so ESPN does this thing where if you get like an athlete who never does interviews, they'll be like, oh, can you also ask him this? Can you also ask him this? I'm not complaining. I'm just, just telling. And so they gave me all these questions. I was like, because I really like Aaron, but like, I don't, you know, he's not like down <laughs> to just yeah. like, you know, f- around. And um, one of the qu- num- questions they had was ask him like why he loves the number 12 and like sought it out. And I, I was just like getting through the questions. I was like dreading, dreading, dreading. And I was like, also, why did you choose the number 12 and why did you decide it out? And he just looks at me and I'm like, oh my God, I just want to die right now. Why did I ask you that? And he's just like, I don't have an answer. And I was like, he's like, it's a good number. I was like, kill me. Um, okay. And they asked you to ask him that? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, let's just do it. That would make me so mad because they walked you into that and it's like- It's just doing my job. I'm really not a big fan and I know you guys get this on ESPN probably all the time, but where like each guest has a sheet, it's basically a roadmap. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm going to ask you what I'm going to ask you. Like I'll plug a charity, but I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw an alley-oop so you can talk about like your, your finest moment. <laughs> your finest moment. Well, well that's awkward because question three, I was going to ask you what was your finest moment. So, um, no, um, no, I was not. I was actually going to ask you if, um, Edward Jones is the worst stadium you ever played in. It's a, it was a bad stadium, but I, uh, I'm weird, man. Like my favorite stadium of all time was Candlestick. Candlestick was awesome. You know, was it just, but it was awesome. But it, the perks were just oh yes, yes, like you know, locker room small. You know, the the water would come up through the field in the evening. Um, I talked to my old equipment manager recently and had him on the pod, and he was like talking, telling me a story about how like you know you'd be getting close to a night game and all of a sudden the field just completely changed at candlestick because the water from the bay and like, it's just a disaster. I love the Coliseum just because of the flame. I would sit there in that cramp locker room, you know, like obviously there's no luxury suites. I just like old stadiums. St. Louis, it wasn't romantic, but it was where I played for eight years. And one time the field caught on fire. <laughs> sure. Sure. We had to walk through three alleys. Sure. Like literally <laughs> we would walk through the concourse like literally walk through the concourse down a locker room. Like I would be stopping and saying hi to fans at nine fifty eight in the morning on my way into the stadium because there was no real entrance. So St. Louis, I, I love the place. That stadium was uh, it was toast, but we all loved it. It was our toast. Sure, Reggie Bush won thirteen million dollars for slipping on the concrete. It looked like an abandoned Costco, or um. Like a like a Walmart that had been like hollowed out, or you know, like the lighting. Walmart. Yeah, Walmart feels better than Costco because Costco is too pleasant. The lighting was the lighting was tough. Man. Like when you wake up and you go out on the field and you're like, 
we have a 10% chance of winning today. The lighting <laughs> made it feel like that. It's like doing first take at uh, 5 a.m. Pacific with my ring light on and then turn it on. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. At least that's a white light. No. This is the most intensely this yellow oh, light. Dude. She looks great. Um, okay. Question four. Uh, this is my last question. If you could, if you could take your brain and put it into the body of any professional athlete for one day ever of all time, who would it be? Just to experience what it would be like to be capable of what they're capable of. I was proud of this question. I just thought of it. Man, that's a great question. Um, because I spent my whole life trying to be a successful pass rusher, man, I sure would love to be Von Miller or or Julius Peppers. I would love to just feel what that's like to take one step and cover five feet of ground and know that if I put my hand on a tackle and he's backpedaling at all, like if I'm relatively accurate, that guy's going to go flying. Um I think it would be Julius Peppers, who was my favorite player growing up and uh, is the nicest dude in the world as well. That's so nice to hear. I love that. Um, Lenny, what you got? (laughs) He wants to know if you also resent the assumption that just because you come from a famous family doesn't mean you couldn't have done it on your own. I don't know if I could have done it on my own, honestly. And it's not the way you would have thought of it. Like, I honestly think maybe I wouldn't have tried to grind this axe where I was like, had to prove that I could play too. Mm. You know, um, when I was in college, honestly, for two years until I got like my junior year and a draft grade came back, I was like, I don't want to play in the NFL. Like if I get drafted, I'm not going to go because I love football, but my dad played for forever and I saw how much of a drag it was on him physically and that sort of thing. Um, but I had no choice, right? Like you got no choice. Like what, what do I look like walking away um, and doing something else or being a veterinarian? I mean, like people would, so I think I would have made it on my own. Uh, obviously, you know, nobody, nobody got 13 sacks their senior year, but me, like nobody, you know, did 13 contract year or 40 over four years in St. Louis. Like, I'm just saying that to say, like, I've always had to argue my worth or the legitimacy of the rooms that I have been in. And it's kind of counterintuitive. I've had to argue my worth a little bit more because people assume you're there because of your dad, even when you're not like, so long story short, I think I could do it on my own, but I probably wouldn't want to. Um, I probably would have been something completely different if it weren't for my dad. I think Lenny feels the same way. It's so crazy. It's uh, so crazy. I think Lenny feels the exact same way. As a podcast? Yeah, like I think he feels like he can, he probably would have done something different if not for me. Like, yeah, but he feels the pressure of being Mina Kimes' dog that he's got to sit in here and talk about free agents and shit. He could be like a Bernie's mountain dog. <laughs>